You're listening to F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. We're at episode number 50 with Jennifer Cordy. She is from uh, New York, uh, New Jersey, more specifically. And uh, we had an awesome conversation. Um, I've, I've really always appreciated her night photography, especially her moon photography. And we talked quite a lot a bit about why she photographs the moon and this whole idea of people that are uh, posting and uh, creating fake moon moon images and um, why that bothers her and uh, what kind of planning goes into executing an actual uh, moon photograph. Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, when you pair the moon with some kind of interesting subject, whether that be a city skyline or a mountain or whatever, um, she's got some amazing shots with the full moon behind like the Statue of Liberty and stuff like that. Uh, we talked a lot about um, her New York City workshops, the balance of work and photography, and um, various issues that uh, have come up for her as a woman in photography. Over on Patreon this week, we talked about her harrowing experience with selling her Nikon uh, D810 um, and uh, the, the buyer using Venmo and how she got scammed out of her camera um, and that whole adventure. So that's worth tuning into and listening to that whole story. I just want to give a quick shout out to everyone who's been pledging on Patreon. I feel so lucky to have amazing fans that are contributing financially to the podcast. It feels so great that you guys are um, believing in what I'm producing. I want to thank Jason Katz, uh, Jaroslav uh, Zakravsky, David Foster, Mason Cummings, Chris Byrne, Ryan Shanahan, Peter Kaskun, Brian Lackey, James Stadler, Cody Wilson, Thorsten Schurman and David Kingham. Thank you all so very much. As usual, reach out to me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Matt Payne Photo, Matt Payne Photography. Enjoy the podcast. Just a quick note, there is some profanity this week, so um, you've been warned. Jennifer Cordy, it's super cool to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining. Sure, I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Absolutely. I have a I've actually been a big fan of your work uh for several years now. I really um love the effort you put into getting super well-timed full moon images in New York City, which I think is super cool. Thank you so much. I enjoy taking them. Yeah, obviously, because it's like every time you post, it's like, damn, that's sick. <laughs> wow, thank you. Yeah. So I wanted to just start out the podcast uh, to give you the opportunity to maybe just, you know, introduce yourself and maybe talk a little bit about um, how you got into being a photographer. Okay, yeah. Um, well, I guess everyone knows my name is Jennifer Cordy. Um, I actually started photography uh, back in college, and I did traveling quite a bit. And um, I went into the Peace Corps after college, and I lived in Africa for a couple of years. And that's how I kind of got started with photography. I did a lot of landscape photography when I was there, and I did a lot of portraits as well. And um, I thought that was going to be my career. And then um, I wound up uh, getting married and um, having uh, two children. And I kind of gave up photography for about 17 years. Completely. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I have my older son's 21. He's out of the house. And then I have my, my little guy. He's almost 16. So, um, you know, my, my, my younger son is um, older now. And um, a couple years ago, I decided that I have a, little, a lot more spare time and I was going to pick up my camera again. So I kind of just got back into photography about four years ago. And um, I kind of just been... Uh, it's just kind of been almost my, my whole life since then, I guess. Um, I, I pretty much have been shooting in New York City. I became completely obsessed with shooting the moon over New York. And um, I do take landscape images. I love shooting the Milky Way. Um, I do a lot of long exposure stuff. I love shooting from a helicopter. That's a lot of fun. I've been shooting from the helicopter about two years now. Wow, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot of fun. So how did how did you get into how did you get into the uh, the helicopter stuff? Because that seems like uh, that would take a lot of work to to pull off. 
Yeah, I was actually invited to be the official photographer of um, a local helicopter company about 15 minutes from my house. Nice. And um, I can pretty much fly anytime I want for free, um, as long as I just give the owner some images for his social media accounts. And I hop on flights a lot. And uh, what I do is I shoot from the helicopter and then I give the people that I paid for the flight a copy of some of the images and that's it. And um, I also do photo workshops up there. Um, it is starting to pick up. I do have people traveling, um, even from other countries, coming uh, to shoot with me. Oh, cool. And they book an hour flight, and I do flight instruction. I do like photo instruction up there. And I, <laughs> oh, yeah, you do flight, you do uh, workshop instruction from a helicopter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's while awesome. we're up there with doors off. While we're up there, with doors off. I do an hour-long workshop. From the helicopter. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So you guys like have the headsets on and everything? Like you're talking like over a headset? Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and I'm telling them, shoot this, shoot that. I'm giving them, you know, I'm telling them what speed, uh, you know, uh, you know, pick up your ISO, open up your aperture. <laughs> wow, that's super cool. I'm focusing, yeah. So it, it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. I mean, it's a full hour up there. Yeah. And uh, so do you... Um, do you have to pay the helicopter company extra to bring people aboard? No, actually what happens is that I usually bring uh, one to two people and they usually pay for the flight and I sit in front and, um, I'm the instructor. Okay, <laughs> so, cool. Yeah. I try not to, it, it's kind of expensive for the hour. So usually the, the people flying with me pay for it, Nice, but it, it's a lot of work because I also have to direct the pilot where to go. Oh, and, okay. Usually it's the angle. I mean, um, I have to make sure that the pilot goes low enough so that my clients can get the shot, but not so low that people in Brooklyn are, you know, complaining that there's a helicopter flying in their house. (laughs) Right. Well, man, if I'm ever in, I've actually never been to New York City. So if I ever go, I would love to do that. That sounds so fun. You are so welcome. I would love to take you up. That would be super fun. I've only, I've done a... I've only been in a helicopter uh, once before, and it was a. Uh, I went on vacation in Kauai, and it was a. Um, it was a doors off uh, tour of the island, you know, and uh, you know back then I had a, a Nikon D seven thousand and a kit lens, so it wasn't like <laughs> I was. You know, I, I wish I had better equipment back then, and actually knew how to use my camera too. Like I feel like if I did it again, it would be so much cooler, but it's a super cool experience flying around in a helicopter with the doors off. Yeah. You know what it is? It's, um, it's kind of hard because here it gets so cold and windy. Mm. I mean, um, I I remember one flight, I could not believe the wind. I, I, it was shaking the helicopter so bad. I was thinking, Oh my God, (laughs) I don't know if I want to be up there anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, let's, Let's talk a little bit about the moon. So, so why why the obsession? And I, I'm going to use that term from my perspective because that's like I feel like that's like eighty percent of what you shoot. Why why the moon? Um, I I became obsessed with this movie called Melancholia, and in that movie, it's actually to me, it's one of the most brilliant movies ever made. And um, in the movie, they discover that there's a rogue planet that's about to um, collide with Earth. And um, in, in one of the ending scenes of the film, you see this the planet moving closer and closer toward Earth. And eventually the, the planet collides with Earth and then everything is set afire and that's it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, when I was driving one night, I was coming back from work and I looked over and I was quite a few miles from the city and I could still see the city from where I was driving. And I saw this huge full moon coming up over the city. And I said, wow, <laughs> this looks like a doomsday. <laughs> you huh. know, people in the city, you know, they're with their egos and whatever, their, their job and they're walking around and, you know, they're going about their daily life. And to me, it looked like doomsday because <laughs> we've got this gigantic moon kind of rising up and it kind of reminded me of that movie. So I said to myself, you know, how, um, what if I just went with my camera with a long lens and found some viewpoints and did some calculations and was able to show this gigantic moon kind of coming up over the city, kind of like how that, that, that planet in that movie destroyed earth. How can I make <laughs> God look, how can I make something look like it was about to destroy New York city? I thought, wow, that would be so cool if I was able to do that. 
So I became obsessed with finding viewpoints that are far away from New York City that I could still see the city. And then I became obsessed with trying to plot at what point does the moon rise up from where I'm standing so that it's lined up with a particular monument like the Empire State Building or the World Trade Center and, of course, the Statue of Liberty. So it's actually taken quite a bit of planning to do those shots. And um, I did have one viral shot. Um, It was, uh, if you Google Blood Moon World Trade Center, uh, you'll see that shot. I mean, it went viral everywhere. Nice. (laughs) And um, a whole bunch of Christian fundamentalists got scared. (laughs) They actually got scared and they actually thought that it was like the second coming of Jesus or something like that. And they actually thought that it, the, word, the, the whole earth was going to be destroyed. Oh by this my planet. God. <laughs> and you know what? That's exactly the kind of emotion that I, I really like to invoke in my images. So I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, that's sweet. I think I found it. It looks awesome. <laughs> so it like went on daily mirror, right? Like uh, I'm assuming caters picked it up um, and did a bunch mm-hmm. of, sold it to a bunch of other news agencies. Yep. And um, the Drudge Report picked it up, which was probably the most exposure I've ever, I've ever gotten. And it made the front page of the Drudge Report that day. And there was um, an article for Hillary Clinton and um, <laughs> Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, and then my image. So that was like, the, I, I was the third, I was the third image that day on the Drudge Report. And that was just crazy. Oh, yeah, here it so, is. Jennifer Cordy, Cater's News. That's that's crazy. And you can, here's the funny thing. Like when I look at that photograph, I can tell that mm-hmm. it's real because there's atmospheric distortion on the edges of the moon and like, uh, the sharpness and detail on the edges is like all distorted. Like that's how you know a moon image is real, mm-hmm. which brings me to a topic that I would love to talk to you about because I know you and I, both uh, have we both belong to a couple of Facebook groups where you know fake moon images and things like that pop up and and people like to talk about them. Um, and and I personally have posted fake fake moon images in the past, uh, but, oh. I, but I but I tell people, hey, this is not real. <laughs> um, so I'm curious about what is your take on people that that take moon images and like m- composite them into scenes and and pass them off as real photography what is your take on that um i actually think it's kind of a form of cheating because you know for me to get a moonshot like i we've just talked about takes a tremendous amount of planning um i actually waited almost a year to get that shot if you can believe that i do believe it for every yeah, for every moonshot that I have on my portfolio, it was probably five or six attempts to get it, and I failed. So you can just imagine the amount of driving I've done, the amount of planning, the amount of standing around in crazy places waiting for a moon that half the time doesn't even show up because this is New York and we have a lot of clouds here. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it kind of it kind of angers me a bit because I I just feel like. You know, the, the people doing that should really try to get the shot. And if you know, if you don't get the shot, just say, you know, I didn't get the shot. I'm going to try it again. And and, and it, the thing is, how I feel that people faking these moonshots and trying to pass it off as real, I think they're also missing out in the experience because going out and landing a shot like that. And uh, I wanted to talk about my Eclipse moonshot that I took um, the end of January. I think they're also missing out on the, the, the experience and, and the sheer joy of landing a shot like that because of the yeah. difficulty of doing it. So I really think it, they're kind of just missing the experience too. And I kind of feel sorry for, for them because, you know, they're just, they're just, they're, they're also taking the easy way out. I hate to say it like that, but um, if you want my true opinion about that and, you know, I, I have taken upon myself to actually debunk most of these fake moonshots. Like I can, I can tell if a moonshot has been faked over New York. Yeah, it's not hard. Look at that's it. <laughs> so, if you want to know my my feelings about that, I think that I think that people are really missing out on the the, the sheer joy of landing a difficult shot in camera. And there's nothing, there's no other greater greater feeling 
for me than to land land a moonshot in camera and nail so what, it. Uh, what would you say to people that say that, well, them doing that doesn't have any effect on you um, and that you shouldn't tell them what to do? Well, I mean, I've had people say that to me. Why do you care? But, you know, I do care because do you know that when I'm doing these moonshots, now I have to, I actually post live videos of it and I do take Instagram stories of, of shooting and it's kind of hard to be holding an iPhone, you know, you know, um, taking a, a, a live video while I, I'm trying to nail a moonshot. But I have, I've had so many critics approach me not believing that my shots are real, that I'm forced to do that now. And I really think that a lot of these faked shots are really kind of debunking and devaluing the people who are, are trying to do it the right way and get them in camera. I just really feel like it, it, it's kind of, um, and that goes for every fake shot, not just a moonshot. I just think it, it, it's, it's, it's a sad way of where, where the photography industry is going as a whole. Uh, well, <clears throat> obviously, I mean, I think you, <laughs> you read my article about this topic. I think you know that I agree with you, but I didn't always, um, it took me several years to come to the same conclusion. And, uh, I think where it, what, what I came to realize for me personally is that mm-hmm. there's, there are people like you and, and, you know, people that are actually spending countless hours and hours and hours and money doing it the right way um, to get real photos of these events and these scenes. Mm -hmm. And when someone just recreates that same uh, photograph in Photoshop uh, from a scene that is not even real, like to me, what it says is that those, it, it had the people that are doing it, for real, it just it has no value. Like the, the amount of time that you spent, like it doesn't matter because I can just recreate it in Photoshop. And I use Photoshop a lot, but I think, and I th- I'm sure you use Photoshop a lot as well, um, but not to create scenes that don't exist. You know what I mean? Right, right. I just had a, um, I run a photography group in New Jersey and I just had a very interesting discussion with someone that dropped the moon in. <laughs> That's my saying. Um, yeah. I, That's what we call I, it. You know, the crazy thing was he didn't realize that I was out the same night. We had moonrise at 4.30 and sunset a little bit after 5.30. And I actually took a workshop client to a place very close to the city because I knew it would take an, a full hour for the moon to reach the top of the World Trade Center. And I mm-hmm. knew that after an hour, the moon would have some kind of detail because the sun was setting. So he actually went 25 miles away where the moon actually reaches the top of the World Trade Center in four minutes. And took the moon at 5:30, zoomed in on a 600 millimeter, and then dropped it down right next to the World Trade Center and tried to pass it off as real. <laughs> so I said, "Well, what day did you take it?" Oh, Wednesday. I said, "Well, I was out too, and that didn't happen." <laughs> right, and I mean, honestly, like I don't personally have a problem with people that do that. What I have a problem with is when they don't admit it, like. Mm-hmm. Like you, I mean, you were there too. Like, uh, <laughs> like, why would you continue the lie? Like, just say, yeah, you know, I took some artistic liberty. I moved it because I thought it would be better for my composition, mm-hmm. and it made a better photograph. And yeah, it this it doesn't represent reality, but I thought it would look better, and that's what I did. I think ninety five percent of people would be like, that's cool, that's fine, you know. But I think the problem is. We know from talking to people when they look at photographs, if you if you put if you put a description in the photograph that says, "This is not real. I didn't. This didn't actually happen. Uh, I moved the moon in Photoshop." Like people are just gonna be like, "That's that that's kind of lame, man." You know what I mean? Right. I think that's why people don't admit it is because if they do admit it, people the viewers are like, "Yeah, it's, uh, it's I don't think as highly of it now." You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, and again, it, it, landing those type of difficult shots to me is like a sport. I mean, you, you, you go, even go to the Olympics and you watch these Olympians um, compete. To me, it is very difficult to land a shot like that in camera. Oh, for sure. It's very skill. difficult. It takes a lot of skill. And to me, that's part of the, the pride and joy that I have when I get 
my land my shots was that, uh, you know, based on the difficulty of it. And I think that people that are just, you know, um, going into Photoshop, dropping a moon in, tending like they got the shot. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I just feel like they're, um, I, I'm kind of at a last words for it. Maybe I shouldn't care so much, but I do. <laughs> no, I know. Like, that's how I am too. Like it, <laughs> There's so many things, there's so many other things that you should care more about in the world, like poverty and world hunger and, you know, like, like environmental issues and whatever. Like, there's so many things you should put your thought and energy into. But I feel the same way, like, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, but every time I see a photograph like that, it just, it just grinds on me. It's like, oh, like, why did you, why did you do that? Like, it, it. And I can't explain why it bothers me very well. Then that's why that's actually why I spent so much time writing that article, which is like probably way too long, and most people don't read it. I read, but <laughs> but it's like I part of me was like I'm I'm trying to understand why people do it, and then their hand I want people to understand that there's people like you and me out there that actually it kind of bothers us a lot. You know what I mean, like. <laughs> It, it, it pisses me off like you you spent a couple hours in photoshop to recreate a, a scene that took me like six years to to finally accomplish like that that is not right 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 exactly you know and i just wanted to share experience with you that um when when we have the 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 super blue blood blood moon eclipse the end of january um when i realized that the moon was going to be eclipsing right before a sunrise and setting right behind the Statue of Liberty. It was probably one of the most fantastic aha moments of my life. I know that sounds kind of corny, but when I realized that I could actually show an eclipse moon behind the, the, the Statue of Liberty um, as it's setting right behind the crown, I, I just, I really could not believe it. And when I was there standing, I was in Brooklyn, 1.7 miles away from the statue, standing there freezing cold, lens shaking and everything, watching this moon start to eclipse and setting right behind the Statue of Liberty. It was one of the most fantastic moments of my life. I believe I it. How, I mean, I had the, huh? I had the same, I had the same experience. Cause I, I realized that it was going to set uh, right behind um, Shiprock, New Mexico, which is this really, really cool rock formation in New Mexico, about uh, three hours away from where I live. And I was like, that will make a really freaking cool photo. And I had the same realization when I was out there shooting it. I was like, this is so magical, like so amazing. And, and then I got home. Mm-hmm. Right. I got home after like no sleep that night, like everyone else who actually went out and shot the blood moon for real. Mm-hmm. And I went on Instagram or whatever, and I was looking at other what other people had done, which is probably my first mistake. I should not care about what other people do. <laughs> but I, w- I went and looked. And of course, I saw like people that were posting photos from places that they were shooting the moon uh, in the eastern sky. Well, the moon didn't set in the east; it set in the west. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, like, and then they like they showed like a meteor over it. Like that didn't happen. <laughs> like, and it's just like, and, and it's got like you know forty thousand likes on Instagram, and my photo has like three hundred and fifty. And I'm just like, go f- yourself. Like, I got, <laughs> I just got mad. Like, I just spent six hours, seven hours of my life, which you know, for my own enjoyment, it was great. I did. I mean, I loved it. I wouldn't change it for a minute. But the accomplishments, quote unquote, of these other people was so much more. Uh, again, I shouldn't care. I shouldn't care what other people. It's it's hard not to, but it's I shouldn't care that they got more likes or whatever on Instagram. But it just it just pissed me off because like all they did was sit in their couch, edit a photo, drop a moon in, and call it good, and went back to sleep. Like that's all they did. Uh, that's bullshit. Actually, what I did was I actually went live on Instagram while it was happening. And it turns out CNN and ABC News watched my live video. And I posted the image right after I took it. I actually had my laptop with me. And they both, CNN and ABC News, both posted it immediately. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. I mean, at least you got... At least you got the recognition that you deserve for plan A, planning the shot, yeah. which, I mean, yeah. is harder than it sounds. I mean, there's definitely 
fantastic applications out there like PhotoPills that you can use mm-hmm. to, to do that. But it still requires you to like put a lot of thought into like where you need to be, where do you put your camera, what direction do you have to point it? Like it, I mean, it's, it's not just like, I don't know, it's, it's harder than it sounds. And you have to be at the, a very precise location. I mean, the moon is actually not that big of an object. Yeah. Uh, um, honestly, it's really hard to land the moon that far away in Brooklyn behind the statue because the statue really is not that big. I mean, yeah. the World Trade Center is a huge building. It's extremely easy to shoot the moon around the World Trade Center because it's so big. But when I, you know, when I actually obsessed about that shot for a couple of weeks and I knew that I actually had a stand in a very specific place in order to land it, it was like seven and a half minutes before set that I knew that I had to be at a certain place seven and a half minutes before set shooting the moon like 600 millimeter on a crop. I knew if I stood right there, I would land it like right behind, I would land it right behind the statue and centered behind the crown. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. difficult for me to figure out. And there was a whole bunch of photographers who went to a different location than me. And I, I saw a bunch of them leave and I said, look, if you leave, you're not going to land the shot. And they walked away. They went like, there's a bunch, whole bunch of people that went about probably 50 to hundred feet to the right of me and a whole bunch of people went to the left. And I knew yeah. I was standing right where I was standing. I would land the shot and I did. So I couldn't even have been 10 feet away from where I was standing to get the lineup that I, that I did. So it's definitely, you know, it's definitely almost like a sport to me uh, getting those shots. Right. So I, well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? It's, it's almost like, uh, I use this analogy in my article, but it's a lot like professional sports athletes that use that do doping. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, look, you can do it the right way where you like lift weights and you train and you practice. And like, you spend so much of your time in your life trying to do it and get it, like increase your chances of success as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Or you can also like, you know, take steroids and take human growth hormone and like <laughs> exceed everyone's wildest expectations. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot like that in Photoshop. Like you just basically took this huge shortcut, uh, just so that you could be better than everyone else. When in fact, in reality, uh, you're not, (laughs) I mean that it, it just, yeah, like it's, I don't know. And I I mean, it's, I, I remember a couple, I don't know, a couple of months ago, you posted something about like, um, other people that were faking moonshots and you were really frustrated about it. And I remember I reached out to you and I was like, you know, why do you care so much what other people think? Just focus on your own stuff. And while I think that is great advice, it also is, it's like, and that only gets so far when you see those people constantly getting more and more attention than, than the people that are doing it for real, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually gave, um, I'm going to be uh, in a reality show um, that's going to be airing the end of August. And um, it's actually going to air in 40 countries. And uh, part of the reason why I was asked to do it was because they actually saw my, they saw me on Instagram. And I think they saw the live video of it. And they really wanted to know how I landed those shots. So I, I, I really think that even though people um, who are faking these shots are getting some attention. I just think that the media is really interested to talk to people who are actually doing it the right way. And they're very interested in hearing about how, what, what goes into a shot like that. So eventually I think that, I think there is something to be said about uh, getting, getting it right in camera and knowing um, how to shoot it technically. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean, I like to I like to diminish the uh, whole Photoshop thing. I mean, it does take a lot of skill and talent to create a really good composite in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not trying to say that that doesn't take skill and talent and that that's not a legitimate art form. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that uh, when you try to pass off a scene that you created in Photoshop as real, it diminishes the other skill, which is planning and timing and uh, uh, just persistence and perseverance mm. that it takes to do it the, the quote unquote real way. So, I, I mean, I think they're both valid, but I think it's not like, I don't know, it'd be like you posting a photo of the moon that you shot uh, behind the Statue of Liberty 
Um, and, and then you calling it a statue, like, like, no, that's not a statue. That's a photograph. Like just own it for what it is, you know? Right. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I've actually, it gets me also frustrated when I see people who are uh, compositing Milky Way shots as well. Because I mean, we wait months and months for the Milky Way to come back and it's just come back now. But, you know, I, I see people like, they're like, oh, why wait? I'll just take a Milky Way that I shot last year and I'll just plop it on top of a, a field of flowers and I've just created this beautiful image. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 there are people out there that that uh, they 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 have ec- exceptional skill in Photoshop and they're able to do that and make it look really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and, and it is. Uh, I will not argue that it's definitely artistic and it takes skill and it's very, if you do it the right way, it can look really fantastic. And to do that with a real Milky Way in a real foreground, like that takes way more skill in my opinion. Like, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I've done, I mean, I can, I personally can say that cause I've done both. I've composited a fuckload of Milky Ways. Um, <laughs> And, and, and I've done a lot of real Milky Ways, like on real foregrounds. And I can tell you right now, it takes way more skill to do a real Milky Way with a real foreground than it does a composite. It just does. I mean, there's so many more variables. There's so many more things that you have to do right. It's just, it's not even comparable. I mean, I can drop in a tracked, astro tracked Milky Way into pretty much any foreground that I shoot from any location. And it would take me maybe two hours in Photoshop to do it to look really good. Or uh-huh. I can spend hours and hours, weeks and weeks, months and months to plan, pre-plan, set up the shot and get a real actual Milky Way with a really good foreground um, at a location. I mean, I think it's, it's just, <laughs> it's just, I think that's what bothers me is from my perspective, I've done both of those things and I know what it takes to do both of those things. And it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's there's a big difference. I I I I can't. I, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but I cannot composite in Photoshop at all. Um, <laughs> the, only, the only thing that I can do in Photoshop that I know, I can blend two layers together. I can blend two night layers together. Like for example, if I take like five minute foreground of taking a Milky Way shot and blend it with the quick sky at 15 seconds, sure. that's the only thing I know how to do in Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it's. <laughs> I mean, it's not really that difficult. Um, people say, oh, it takes so much time and talent. Like, no, like you can Google or YouTube, like how do I use Photoshop to composite? And like you can pretty much learn 90% of what it takes in about an hour or two. Like it's not really that hard um, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and I've never taken a Photoshop workshop. I've never like – I'm completely self-taught and I don't think I'm that good in Photoshop. Uh, (laughs) Evidence being, I have a couple of videos on YouTube where I try to teach people some techniques. You go watch those and you're like, yeah, he's fucking, he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, (laughs) If I can do it, pretty much anyone can do it. If you just spend enough time in front of the computer. (laughs) Um, uh, If I'm spending more than five minutes editing, I'm, I'm I'm taking too much time. I'm just too busy. I feel you. Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. All right, well, let's let's transition a little bit. So I know that you also work full-time in the banking industry. Is that right? Yeah, um, I guess you could say I'm a frustrated photographer. I, um, I, would love to, I would love to be able to shoot full-time, but, you know, it just really doesn't pay all the bills right now. And I live in New Jersey, and we all know that New Jersey is probably one of the most expensive places to live in the United States. Hmm. So, um, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm a technical writer. I've been working in the baking industry about 10 years now. So um, I'm actually consulting right now. I lost my, my long, long-term uh, job about a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I have to balance shooting kind of around uh, my work schedule. But luckily, I have a pretty flexible job, and I, I work from home a couple of days a week. So it's really not that bad. And plus, I work right on the New York City waterfront. My office actually faces New York City. Oh, that's <laughs> sweet. sweet. So you're in the right place at the right time a lot. I am, yes. And um, you can, you can um, I, I've actually taken some iPhone shots of a killer sunsets from up there. 
and posted on my Instagram account, and they've gotten like a thousand likes. It's hysterical. <laughs> so how do you how do you balance uh, the need to make a sustainable income and a place that's a high cost of living with your desire to further your photography? Yeah, it's kind of hard uh, because you know I have a son at home. I actually have I have two children. Uh, like one I have living in Japan, and then the other one is still at home. He has about two more years left here. So until my younger son leaves the house, I'm kind of stuck where I'm at. So I'm hoping in a couple of years I'll be able to transition away from baking and be able to pursue photography full time. And I'm really working actively toward that. I'm trying to build up my following. Hmm. Um, so it's it's been I it's been you know four years of really hard work to build up a following and get press and this and that. So eventually, I would like to just leave my job because it bores the heck out of me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, once you once you really love to shoot so much, then that's all you want to do. It's kind of hard to sit in an office all day. Yeah, no, I I understand that for sure. Well, why, yeah. don't you, why don't you just composite a bunch of moons over a bunch of scenes, and you'll have instant fame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be kind of funny. Yeah, I just you know what it is because I, I I teach uh, I, I I also teach I do a lot of uh, moon workshops. I'm actually doing one for Unique Photo at the end of the month, and I'm, act- I'm teaching a class uh, next week. So I'm teaching a, 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 wor- a workshop at, at the photo store, and I'm, we're doing a field workshop the following week. Cool. And um, Yeah, because uh, actually a lot of the income that I've, I've generated from photography has been my workshops. And I think if I just start the whole composite thing, I don't think people would really take me seriously anymore. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, so, I've always wondered that. Like, if uh, if your favorite photographer just does a bunch of composites, and you go in their workshop, and they're like, "Well, so a Milky Way actually isn't here, but we're gonna drop it in later in Photoshop." Like, could you imagine? Like, if I went on that workshop, I would be like, "Dude, this is bullshit!" Like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, it's. I remember when I when we had the Super Blue Bud Moon, and, and I had. Um, a full moon workshop. It was the end of January. It was actually what, what, what a crazy, it was January 31st. That was the day that I got the whole moon eclipse thing. And then I had this huge workshop that night. I had about 15 people there. It was insane. And you wouldn't believe all it got all of a sudden got cloudy right yeah. before moonrise. Of course. A whole bunch of thick clouds came in. You know, that's the curse around here. It's, it gets so cloudy, and a lot of our clouds are low-lying clouds because we're near the ocean. And I just said there were 15 people going, oh, my God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, oh, geez, I mean, maybe I'll later I'll see like a bunch of people dropping in a moon. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> but you know, it's funny you say that because I think that's how it starts. I think that's why people do it is that they – they spend the amount of time and money it takes to go to a location to get the shot they want. And then the conditions don't, don't cooperate, but they still mm-hmm. want to salvage that experience somehow. And they feel like the only value in that experience is to have an image that showcases their efforts. I think, mm-hmm. I think that's how it starts for some people is that they're, they're trying to compensate for uh, nature, not, not cooperating with them. Right. I think. Yeah, I, think so. <laughs> I mean, that's how I started doing composites. I was like, you know, uh, sucks that the clouds came in, but uh, I can fix that later. <laughs> yeah, the last full moon was a total disaster. I mean, I, I took a client to Brooklyn, and you would not believe, you know, what I went through to get to where we actually stood to see moonset. It was a full moonset. And sure enough, it did not look cloudy. When we got there, I looked up on the sky and it looked fine. And then by the time we got out of the car and actually kind of snuck into where we were at, um, all of a sudden these low-lying clouds just came in and we saw absolutely nothing. Wow. So frustrating. Yeah, I'm curious uh, because I've always had fear of that. A few times I've taught workshops. I'm curious – how did your how did your clients respond to that? Like, did they like? I mean, obviously they know that you can't control the weather, but were they disappointed? Like, were like, did they expect that you would take them out again at no cost? Like, how? Like, what do what does generally people tell you when that kind of stuff happens? 
Um, I think, you know, that morning I only had one client because I think the whole 5.30 a.m. <laughs> during the week, you know, kind of shady location kind of scared most people away. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the crazy thing was the, the client that I had that morning was a doctor and she had to move a whole bunch of patients around to come shoot with me. Oh, so wow. getting there in the shady location, the poor thing had no sleep. I knew she had to move a whole bunch of patients around and then no moon. So I was just sitting there looking at her like, oh, my God, what did I do? I mean, the poor thing has had no sleep. I mean, I'm just, we're just hiding behind this boat waiting for this moon to set. <laughs> huh. um, but the crazy thing was that her main issue was that she was not getting um, any clear pictures with her Zoom. She, she was having shake. And um, what happened was that it was her battery pack that was attached to her camera. And um, she was very frustrated. She had tried to shoot the moon several times. All of her shots were blurry. And I actually fixed that issue for her. And that was that was enough. I mean, she was actually able to get very clear shots of the statue. And she was fine with that, even though we didn't see the moon. She was so grateful that I fixed her issue. Cool. Um, but if she wasn't happy, I wouldn't. she would not have had to pay me. I mean, I, I actually told her, I said, it's up to you. You can either pay me or you, you can wait for the next time. So I usually, if we don't see the moon, I, I definitely tell them, you know, you don't, this is optional. You don't have to pay me. <laughs> that's, that's cool. I feel like a lot of people wouldn't do that because I mean, time is money. So, but mm-hmm. I think that's the honorable thing to do for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, we, we are really cursed for clouds here. I mean, uh, clouds are beautiful, especially when you're, you're <laughs> sunsets, but not with the moon. <laughs> right. Um, no, I know. It's funny. I either... I find myself, I'm either cussing out the clouds or praising the clouds. Like, eh, depending on what I'm trying to get, it's funny. Mm. So, yeah, but it was, it was interesting. I mean, um, it, it, especially the location that we're at, I mean, um, we were balanced on the edge of a pier, um, standing next to a yacht, kind of hiding behind there. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So yeah, some of the locations get kind of crazy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a good segue into one of the topics I wanted to touch on with you. So I think it's interesting to me, like I, I've found personally that uh, the vast majority of nature photographers that are out there are men for whatever reason, or at least the ones that become well known. I don't really understand why that is. Why? What? From your perspective as a woman, what kind of issues and things have you seen from your perspective that would be different than the perspective that that men have in terms of their experience as a photographer? Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, like I was talking to Candace Dyer about that. And she said that a lot of times when she's out uh, with with like if she's doing a workshop with someone or Mm -hmm. something like that. Or if she's just out shooting and, and people just come up to them randomly, they like they always go up to the guy with the camera and ask them questions and <laughs> the guy's like, Yeah, she knows way more than I do. Talk to her. Like but it like people just assume that for whatever reason, like culturally, that 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 women I don't know, like couldn't use a camera. I don't know. Like yeah. I I've just I've heard that. So I'm just curious if you've ever experienced any biases or um, discrimination as a woman in the in the field of photography? I think so, especially because um, I think the majority of the night shooters out there are men. Um, and uh, when I was doing the interview for the TV show yesterday morning, they a- actually asked me about it because um, I think they were interviewing about thirty five photographers, and only five were women. And they said that I was the only, you know, I was the only landscape and night photographer. Uh, you know, women, Uh, the other women were do portraits and weddings. (laughs) So I think for me, it's kind of a boys club because I think a lot of the, the more well-known women photographers out there, they are, they do uh, portraits and weddings. And I hate to generalize about that, but it's true. And even there was a whole Hmm. thing out there uh, with Nikon. Now when Nikon was uh, putting up the, I remember that it was all men that had the, that, that were given the camera to test and no women. Um, so yes, I, I definitely think it's more of a, of a boys club. And, you know, I noticed that also when men seek me out for help and I'm, I'm kind of very direct when I help people, 
I tell people right off the bat, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to be your friend. <laughs> so you know, huh. some some men get kind of put off by women kind of being very direct with them about when, uh-huh. when, when I'm giving them instruction. And I, I remember one time I was, I'm, I'm a brand ambassador for Adam Robert Picks and I've done a couple of workshops. And I remember one time I was, we were doing a moonset workshop over the Statue of Liberty. It was a crescent moon. And I had actually calculated it to land um, on the, the statue's crown, the crescent, the way I calculated it was oh. the crescent would set and actually touch the torch, sort of like the, the Statue of Liberty holding a saucer. And the way I plotted it was that if it came down according to my calculations, that the crown would hit the moon directly in the middle and touch it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I had calculated it and I had to spend a lot of time working that out mathematically to make sure that I was right. So when I got there, and of course, the majority of the people that showed up were men, it was there was a couple of women, but there was like, probably almost 20 people there. It was crazy. A um, couple of the guys, they just n- did not believe me. And I stood there and I said, you know what, if you move, you will not land the shot. Of course, they looked at me and they walked away. I'm like, oh, huh, go ahead. <laughs> sure enough, that moon started to come down. And they were in the wrong spot and they come running back. And I'm just saying they're laughing. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, have, I have noticed that it, it's um, but not all men. I do have a lot of men that seek out my help. I, I, I recently took on two, two guys that I've taught a lot of beginning photography with. But I, mm-hmm. I have noticed that, that, that it is an issue, yes. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Um, obviously, as a man, I've never experienced that but um i can only imagine that that would be super frustrating to have people discount your talents and your knowledge just because you're a woman yes (laughs) (laughs) which is unfortunate i mean i you know with the i think in the, the last year i think that's starting to shift a little bit um which i think is really cool to see but uh you know people are wired a certain way and they they have these biases and and these uh, things that they've just learned over their course of their lives. And for some people, it's hard for them to break out of that. Yeah, I, I agree. I really agree. But I am seeing more and more women photographers, especially not photographers. So that's good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, totally good. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. well okay, just um, shifting gears a little bit. I got a couple more questions for you. Um, if that's all right. Of course. Uh, so the first question I have is, um, based on the name of the podcast, F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen, mm-hmm. what advice would you have for other photographers, uh, particularly around um, trying to land like that perfect timed shot like of the moon or of, a, of some other object in the night sky? Um, I think that um, they should definitely use uh, the tools out there, TPE and PhotoPills. Um, I think they're brilliant tools. Um, I think that if anybody wants to seek out my help, they're welcome to contact me and I can actually show them how to use it. But I think it's important to really take your time and really learn the craft and um, not get frustrated. Um, I think it's it's a combination of learning how to use the tools and also learning the locations um, to go to to take your shot and also kind of understanding the whole moon phase. And... Mm. Um, so I think it's important for people to really learn it the right way as well and just not try to take the quick way out and never getting into the whole Photoshop thing again. But to really take your time and learn the craft, and even if it takes you six months, a year, or two years to really learn it, I think it's, I think it's better to, um, to do it the right way and, 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 and land that shot in camera. Yeah, I don't I – definitely, <laughs> I definitely don't disagree for sure. Okay, so what uh... – which photographers do you think would be cool to, he- to hear on the podcast? Um, I think one of my uh, favorite photographers are Christopher Georgia. Um, he's in New England, I think. Yeah, I know Chris. Yeah, he, he's fantastic. I remember that he, uh, him and I shot a lot together about two years ago. We chased a lot of storms in New York. That's another genre that I love. I love to chase storms over New York City. Him and I had a lot of fun oh, cool. chasing lightning storms over New York. 
So yeah, I think he he has a lot of very interesting things to say. And Aaron Priest as well. Aaron, uh, uh, do you know Aaron? Yeah, dude. He's yeah. Me and Aaron have been friends on Facebook for probably five or six years now. Like he is such a technician of um, of digital stuff and like executing like huge panoramas and stuff like that and night night panoramas he yeah he's an awesome guy yeah i think i have never seen anybody shoot panoramas like him i mean it's insane it's insane what he does i mean i actually took a workshop with him a couple years ago up in maine and it, it, it he's amazing so i think he would be an excellent guest to have on your show yeah i i've been meaning to reach out to him i i when I first made a list of photographers I wanted to have on the podcast, he was like one of the top 15 or so for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, um, anyway, I've been friends with him for a long time. So he has this photograph and it's, I mean, he totally created it in Photoshop, but it's so freaking awesome and unique. Oh. Um, it's like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. He has this, um, it was on the cover of like a Nikon magazine, wow. but basically what he did was it's like this, um, this Aurora Borealis shot mm -hmm. that he created like a space fold. Yes, I remember that. So, mm -hmm. to, and then like there's this, uh, these star trails um, uh, swirling around in the middle of this rift in the sky. Like it is a really cool shot. And like if, he's, if you ask him how he created that in Photoshop, it's like, okay, dude, I don't even know half the things you just said. So uh, good job. <laughs> like, it's, it's so cool looking though. Like he did such a cool job with that. Yeah. I, I've asked him how he's done a couple of things and I, my brain just could not wrap around my head. I could not wrap my head around, head around it. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know why I ask him any questions anymore. Cause every time he, he answers, I'm like, okay, so um, good talking to you. Thanks for the advice, bro. Um, good. I'll yeah. talk to you later. <laughs> because <laughs> it's yeah he's so technical and it but it's he's so smart yeah. yeah so yeah those are the two people that i i would uh love to hear on your show cool yeah i heard chris georgia mostly does um like uh video now is that right yeah he does he does a lot of amazing time lapses he does a lot of aerials. Yeah. he's fantastic with aerial photography and i had you know on your facebook page i had noticed that uh someone was asking about aerial photography and I think that yeah. he would be, I think Christopher Georgia would be an excellent person to talk to you about that. He's taken some amazing, cool. amazing aerial shots of New Hampshire. So, cool. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, spending the time with me bantering about uh, moons and fake moons <laughs> and all that fun stuff. I really appreciate it. Uh -huh. Yeah, thank you so much for having yeah. me on, my, on your show. It's an honor to be uh, asked to do this. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. You, you were interested in my viewpoints about all of that crazy stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I, I think I shared with you, like I uh, had you written down on my list from day one. So it's been fun finally to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you.